What's up, everybody? Welcome to Semi-Successful, Episode 2. I'm your host, Brad. I'm Natalie. Uh, actually, we're both hosts. We so are. Thank you. Co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, welcome to Episode 2. We have a good one lined up today. Mm-hmm. I'm very so, excited. Yeah, let's just get right into it. What was the first thing you want to talk about? Well, I think the obvious thing to talk about is the Dave Chappelle. Oh, getting right into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh... As many of us know, Dave Chappelle got attacked on stage, which was kind of wild. Um, I just watched the video, and the guy jumps up on stage in the middle of his act and starts, like, to try and tackle Dave Chappelle, who kind of, like, hops out and kind of gets out of his grip. But then Dave Chappelle's crew just, like, rolls up on him. Mm -hmm. But then he escapes and goes around behind the screen i'm like where are you going like you really think you're gonna wait yeah i I said i haven't really seen much of the video i saw the guy like spear him and that's where i left i didn't see all the extra yeah so you see like dave Chappelle's crew just like run out on stage and two of them fall and then this guy gets up and tries to run behind the stage but the guy did get the he got i don't know where he got beat up though so you didn't see that in any of it like you don't see anyone beating him up no i wonder why because I think he like I think he got beat up like off stage. Because the photo I saw was the dude had like his arm backwards. I mean, it's like the photo I'm sure now everyone has seen. Yeah. I mean, bruises all over his face. I mean, the guy just looked like he got absolutely demolished. Yeah. Like his arm was like. Yeah. This. So what was with this guy? What did he do this for? Does anyone know? I don't. So I don't know if anyone knows yet. They don't know. Have like a motive? Not yet. I don't think. I know, like, Chappelle joked about, like, who it was and stuff, but I, nobody knows if that's true or, like, right. you know. I think like, Chris Rock said it was Will Smith, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. Which, this was the fear, though, that everybody had going forward was, like, people think it's okay just to, like, go up on stage when the comedian's performing and assault them or slap them or tackle them or whatever it is. Like, right. This was a fear. That that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, normally, too, like, when fans, like, rush the stage, they just want to, like, hug the person. Yeah. Like, yeah. have you seen that, like, with, like, Harry Styles or even, like, Justin Bieber? Like, well, they, they don't even usually make it to the stage. There's security literally at every everywhere. rail. Like, the fact that this guy got on there, first off, he had to spend a lot of money, I'm guessing, because it looked like he had a good Right, seat. like, was he enjoying the show? Yeah, it seemed like <laughs> was the show he was having a good down. time? The show was winding down. It's, he was like he was about to bring on, uh, like another guest. Like I think Mos Def, or like he was about to introduce somebody. So the show was winding down, and this guy just takes his shot to get up there. So he sat through the entire set because it was a comedy set, right? I'm like, do you think he's just sitting there, like? Yeah, can't wait for my moment. Waiting for his time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that would be wild to think about, but like. No, I know a lot of people are like, uh, you know, they don't like Chappelle because he's had some controversial specials and whatnot. Right. However, like to me, you you know, he's at work, and you just can't you can't assault somebody at work despite anything, like whether you like what they say or not. I mean, that's what he's doing. His job is to be a comedian, and to go up. Well, there. no one should be attacked on stage yeah and i'm not saying anything like i I mean about the controversial you know jokes that he's made i'm not saying what they're right or wrong i'm just saying like you know the dude is at work yeah and he gets assaulted like that's wrong no matter how you like wherever you're working you should be able to be safe 
But also, yeah. it'd be kind of scary because if I was in the audience, I would f- be freaking out. Yeah. Because I, like, now have, like, an irrational fear of, like, a mass shooting or, like, being in a crowd and then not being able to get out of that crowd because something crazy is happening. Like, I would immediately go into, like, he's not the only one here. He has more people with him. Someone behind me is going to attack me. Like, I immediately go so to that. So did it – I didn't see the video too clearly, but did it look like pandemonium in the crowd? Like, no. were they freaking out? I don't think so. So they were relatively calm. I feel like it was similar to Will Smith. Like, everyone didn't know or, like, is it something that's supposed to be in the – in the show. Yeah, and that is the that is a tough thing about like performing, I imagine, or seeing a performance, you're like, well, what is the show and what's not the show? Right. If something like strange breaks out cuz you yeah. don't want to be like the dude that like stops a side performer from like joining the show or whatever mm-hmm. cuz you're like, "Oh, wait, is this guy really part of the show or not? Like, do I need to like tackle this guy because he's uh he's about to do something crazy?" Right. Okay. Yeah. We recently went to Justin Bieber. Mhm. And I saw, like, a dancer, like, dancing on the side, but, like, on the ground, not on the stage. And she was, like, waiting to go upstairs to Mm -hmm. dance. And I was, like, is that a fan? Is that a, like, his entourage? And it made me think of that. Like, if a security guard didn't necessarily know that she was part of the thing, would would they have stopped her from going up? Yeah. And I think, I mean, as a performer, I think, like, because you're also super vulnerable up there. Like, I, I thought about that a lot, actually, when we were at Justin Bieber. Like, uh, you know, it's just because people are crazy and you have crazy fans sometimes, whether yeah. they mean well or not. Like, you know, there are some crazy people that probably go to your concerts. And you're very vulnerable by, like, you're, you, you are the center stage up yeah. there. Now, you have security and stuff up there as well or, like, around. But, the, I mean, clearly they can get through. People, fans break through oh, barriers all the time. Whoever was in front row could have easily just hopped, hopped over, over and then like rushed him or whatever. Easily. Yeah. I mean, clearly we saw that with Chappelle. Yeah. And that does actually happen a lot. Like I've, I've seen videos of like fans getting up on stage and sometimes they're really freaked out. And other times I think they're trained to like stay calm, like give them a hug because that's like really all they want. Like, you know. You think the performers are trained to like stay calm. And- yeah. Like, if someone, if a crazy fan jumps up there, stay calm. Don't, like, freak See, out I, or react or, like, punch them or, like. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to say in the moment because you don't really know what they're coming. I mean, you could be thinking, like, oh, maybe this person just wants a hug. But, like, clearly that guy was trying to spear Dave Chappelle. It would be hard to not, like. Yeah, yeah I would get defensive pretty quick. But it is tried- also a difference of, like, a fan, like running up to you and like stopping and like looking at you like wanting a hug versus like someone running up and trying to like literally tackle you to the what ground. is the the internet saying about this are they like totally cool that they kicked the shit out of this guy or are they like oh fuck dave Chappelle? no i think that they are like even about it so there's a 50 so some people then no are... no no i mean i think like no one has an opinion on that okay from what i've looked at Okay. Seems like so they're okay with the repercussions. Like I think regardless of if you like him or not. Like I maybe think that you didn't have to like beat beat him up, like break his arm. Well, I don't know who did all that. Like we said, we I I didn't. It didn't look like from the video that. I mean, I thought he maybe broke his arm when he was trying to spear him, Mm. and Dave kind of 
he didn't sprawl like in MMA. Like when someone tries to do a takedown on you, you sprawl your back legs. You kind of get on top of them. Uh, so they can't apply like lower pressure to try to like leverage your body weight. Mm-hmm. But it looked like Dave just kind of bounced off. Or the guy bounced off of Dave's hips a little bit. And oh, just totally. missed his shot. Totally. Um, and when he did that, he could have fallen in, on his arm because he was running full speed. Yeah. So when you miss and you think you're about to hit something, but you don't. Yeah, his arm go, almost looked dislocated yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So that totally could have happened when he fell. And then the the extra stuff, like he was definitely, like someone definitely punched him in the face and gave him some black eyes and stuff. It would be hard not to beat up someone that attacks your friend. I mean, again, you probably don't know the person uh, and their intentions. So okay, you just like, got to do what you think is like, hey, we have yeah. to make this a safe place again. And sometimes that means taking care of business on that guy. Okay, you're at a bar. Yeah. Your friend gets sucker punched. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Is my friend knocked out? Is it so bad that it knocks him out? He's hurt. He's hurt. How many people did it? <laughs> I wish I was cool enough and like, uh, you know, badass enough, I guess, to just like immediately like, oh yeah, let's go. I'm not. Like, me personally, I mean, I want to defend my friend. And if he had like, I don't know, that's a tough one. Because, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get sucker punched. Yeah, I would just go in and... Is the guy running or is he like waiting for a confrontation? Because the sucker punch would be you hit the guy and, and then, then you bounce run. or whatever. Well, that's kind of what he like did it. to Dave. He, hit the, he tackled Dave and then ran. Yeah. Except he's on a stage. like he's not gonna. Oh, run. I have no idea what he thought yeah. was going to happen after. No, in a bar, though, it's completely different. Also, like you don't know what this person – I mean, bar fights are strange. And especially like lately, uh, since people are out and about more often, and after not seeing a lot of people, maybe they're – after during quarantine i think i can talk about that yeah uh during quarantine like people are kind of juiced up a little bit more totally oh my god i feel like there are a lot more fights going on right now also people are just juiced up because like the weather's getting nice this is the first summer that like people feel safe summer fights we're going dancing love it's summer fights no brad oh okay it's a summer of love it's a summer of love yeah but it's also the summer of quality of life yeah but no, people are, I mean, I have seen more videos, like, especially at baseball games, football. I mean, last year, people were wilding out. Football games. Remember all that's the times true, that's fights true. happened at football games yeah. and baseball games? You couldn't have a confrontation with a human being without getting sucker punched. Well, also, last year, I feel like, was the elections, or, like, Tensions were high in America. Tensions were high. I think tensions are becoming less high, but maybe not. I don't know. That's not what this is about. But like, I think it's so high. Tensions were so high that if I didn't like the way you smiled at me or something, shit would go down. Yeah, there was no nuanced in like. I think uh, people arguments. were so anxious too, yeah. and like. Oh, anxiety level hit a new high yeah. for everybody. Well, and I think that's why, like, year. all of those therapy online. Like, BetterHelp. Yeah. Which is not a sponsor of this video. Um, but I think that that's why it became more popular was because people were like, oh, I'm really anxious. But I think people are too nervous to look up a therapist online mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. call a therapist. And so making it, like, easier for them to, like, look into it 
on their phones. Yeah, and that makes, I mean, that's a great business model, honestly. It really is. Because it's a lot so of people, smart. Yeah, a lot of people needed that help. Um, and honestly, I feel like it kind of, I think therapy right now is at an all-time high. If you're a therapist, you're probably like, if you're private practice therapist, you probably have a, lit, a list, like a waiting list. To yeah, get so you probably can't door. even take on a new client. Right. But I think that even some... Man, what if... Wow, that's actually wild to think about. Like, therapists to... I mean... And I imagine it's like everything. Like, there's a, maybe a shortage of therapists. Or not even a shortage, but I imagine that there's just so many people needing it that yeah. there's not enough therapists that were that are available to right. take on all the new clients that they're getting. Mm-hmm. My friend recently was like looking for one and she said that like everyone that she went to yeah has and it's hard because like your first time i imagine this is what's hard about it is you oh oh my gosh this is amazing okay so you have to vibe with the person that you're that's what i'm saying yeah and so like if you go to one or two meetings with them and you don't like them then you have to start this process all over it's like dating almost yeah but also, like, I would be kind of nervous to tell the therapist I'm not vibing with you. Yeah. What if you just stop showing up to therapy and, like, oh, well, you've taken a turn for the worst. Like, no, actually, I just don't like you as not my therapist. Not vibing with you. I wonder, it's like a breakup. Again, it's dating. Yeah. But if, it's a professional dating. Like, finding a, a new barber that, like, hey, like, I feel I honestly would be horrible at that. Because I'd just eat the bad haircut. I'd eat the bad therapy session. And just be like, you know, what? I, it's the the headache of finding someone new yeah. is too real that I don't even want to do it. Like that's me personally. Uh-huh. Like I hope other people aren't like oh, that. Oh no, I think everyone is like that. Okay. Because I like I got my nails done today, and I they're cute. I like them. You've been going to the same girl. I am going to a new nail salon. You're going to a new nail. But salon. I haven't found the girl I like there yet. Okay. Do you get a? a a new girl every time though at the same nail salon i've had one girl twice and i really like her okay and then i've had two girls so i've had three people do my nails there but i'm like still you know just feeling the vibe out but it's so scary to say something because they were like oh do you like the shape of them and i actually stood up today because i wanted them to be a little more round and less pointy mm-hmm so I stood up for that, but it's nerve wracking. And then I feel like the moment I say something is the moment that they're like, oh crap, like this girl doesn't like anything I did. Or they're like, oh, this bitch, like doing uh, her nails. And then they like do it worse intentionally. Oh, I, I think you're crazy. I don't do that. But I think for sure that uh, it's weird because you are paying money that service like so you should technically say something but i'm with you like if i get a bad haircut i'm just like yeah it looks great like right it'll grow back like whatever yeah it's no big i don't want to like i fear i fear the more the the more i say the more damage i'm going to do and it's not worth it right that that juice is not worth the squeeze but now that i'm thinking about it quality of life like you know i live with these nails for two weeks you live with a haircut for six weeks probably like it's just like okay we like can live and survive but Mm -hmm. like we i am now thinking that i kind of want to like step it up and like start saying things well do you ever notice that like rich people do say something like i've been to dinners with pretty wealthy people and if things are not 
to the standard that they want it. That's so true. And I mean, like, even just, like, a little bit off. Like, they'll say something. And to me, I'm just like, just shut, shut up. Yeah, shut up. Like, like, cringy, fine. cringy, cringy. Cringy, cringe. Like, I was with this so one cringe. guy. I don't want to mention his name, but he's pretty wealthy. He's not, like, super, super wealthy, but he does well for himself. And uh, our waiter at this particular restaurant, and this was, like, the ch- a chain restaurant. Like, uh, I don't want to also name the restaurant, but it was a chain restaurant. So, like, you kind of know what you're getting. It's right. like an upscale chain. It's not like a fast food restaurant chain. But, you know, there's uh, the upscale sit-down dinner chain, yeah. Italian, like Olive Garden-esque. It was not Olive Garden, but something similar. So you kind of know going in what you're getting. And this waiter was – I mean, he was just a bad waiter. But, like, he could have been having a bad day. He wasn't mean. He wasn't rude. He was just not good, you mm-hmm. know, like – whatever passive yeah so when the check comes at the end and the guys uh he wanted to pay for the meal uh we were there on a meeting and uh he wanted to pay for the meal and i thought that was nice of him and he was doing the tip and the guy is coming over and he literally he he says this to me but he looks at the guy when he says this and he goes the service wasn't great but it's christmas time what are you gonna do and then does like a like a, a tip. I don't know what he left, but it wasn't probably a, a big amount. But says to me, but to the guy at the yeah, same time. Yeah, like you know that he's listening. Yeah, like the guy's there, like picking up our dishes. Right. And he's saying it directly to him, but uh-huh. saying it kind of in a conversation to me. And I just am like, oh, man. But he's like, to him, he paid for that experience. And if it was lackluster, then he wants them to know that this was not a good experience. And my money did not get me what I wanted here. So, like, I wonder – and I think rich people are very uh, outspoken like that mm-hmm. because they maybe they value money. I don't know. I don't know, actually know. But I just noticed it. They value service, I think, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, a lot of rich people work really hard, but, like, you know, that's not necessarily always the case. So, like, when they work hard, like, for their business, like, oh, this is unacceptable. I always have to give 110 Mm -hmm. in my business. So when I go to someone else's business, I expect them to give 110%. uh, And that's just not the case sometimes. Well, should I tell people how I tip? Oh, yeah, this is awful. (laughs) This is a So, if I go in, because I also, like, when we go in with, like, a big group of girls or something, or even just four girls. I feel like I am automatically pinned as I'm not going to tip well. Why? Because you I... You think the waiter or waitress thinks, look at this group of four girls. They're not going to tip me well. Yeah. Okay. I think A, not to stereotype us women, but like whenever I am with my girls, they're always like, how do I tip again? Like, So I feel like sometimes maybe we just don't give an accurate tip because we don't know how to calculate it. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Okay. Go on. So maybe that's maybe a reason why we don't tip well. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. Or that like maybe like maybe we say something wrong and like the waitress like gets in the back of their head and they just give us crappy service. I don't know. Mhm. I will tip them more if we get crappy service. Yeah. You're not a person that tips on merit or outcome. You're person that tips on guilt. You feel, or not even guilt. Oh, wait, you're right. I guess I feel like it's my fault that they gave us crappy service. Yes, you do. But I also think it's like, okay, maybe they are having a bad day. Or maybe they think that I wasn't going to tip well, so they didn't, like, give me enough 
time and attention. Yeah. So then I'm hoping that, okay, maybe next time I go in, they're going to give me more attention because I did tip well. Or maybe I'm going to make their day better so that they give the person the service next yeah. better service. And I, I like that sentiment a lot because you're making people's lives slightly better yeah. every day. And mm-hmm. I, I love that sentiment. But to me, I don't know if I can get behind it because now – Every time that you walk into a restaurant with repeat service, all the bad waiters and waitresses love you. They're like, oh, yeah, let's go to her table. So, like, if they are actually just a bad waitress or waiter. I don't know what makes a bad I mean, you got to bring – I mean, people complain about bad waiters and waitresses. I wish I could talk to a waitress or a waiter right now. And I have been a waiter in the past. Uh, It was was kind of a – it wasn't like a waiter. It was like – it was a restaurant where – we had tables, but it was like six, seven tables. Right. And I was the only dude bringing out the food. So, and they, it would be one where you go to the stand, like to the front of the restaurant and you pay and you order there. Like mm-hmm. almost similar to Chipotle, I would just bring out the food. Instead of you getting it. Exactly. Out. Instead of you ordering at the sit down table and whatnot. So like, it was kind of a different setup, but you know, I mean, I got tips as well. They did leave me tips, but I wish I could talk to like a sit down waiters, uh, waitress and waiter and be like, what do you think? You know, like what makes you good or what makes you bad? Because mm-hmm. like to me, it's just bring out the food and fill up the water. I did know this one guy that had a strict uh, tipping um, like agenda. He would deduct a dollar for every time they walked by his table. It did not fill up his water glass. To me, this is insanity. Like, how can you even enjoy your meal if you're worried about and like? A person walking around with filling up water yeah. glasses and yours is half full and they don't fill yours up. Also, biggest pet peeve is when someone, I paid my check and they come over and fill up my water glass. Because I'm like, I'm not drinking that water and you're just going to pour that water down the drain. Not that like yeah. water is wasteful, but remember like a long time ago, yeah. I would make us finish the water before. We get up. From the table, unless we finished our water. Yeah, which is actually a good way to stay hydrated. And then once we finish it, we put it down the waiter, add more, so we <laughs> couldn't leave again. He was just trapping us. But that that is a weird thing to merit someone on. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. I wonder what, like, I wonder if waiters and waitresses even... Because at some point, it's like, yeah, I'll, like the turnover so fast, I don't care about that one douchebag or whatever. Like, right. I'm, I'll be fine. Also, the... I would be interested to know what the turnover rate for waiters and waitresses are. Very high, I imagine. But then also, like, do you move on to another restaurant or do you? I mean, wait, you can make quit. really good money as a waiter. Oh yeah, waitress, or bartender. Depending on the restaurant, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you absolutely can make really good money. And my friend in Chicago kind of calls it like a, a career trap because you make like really good money, but there's no advancement. Right. Within that industry. Because you're not going to become the owner. The owner's the owner. And, and you might become like a, a shift lead or something like General that. Manager. General manager. General manager is like, I mean, depends well, on the People do restaurant. go to like hospitality school. Yeah. They're, they're actually, it's like a trained skill. Which Some, it, general managers can make bank. Yeah. I mean, again, I think everything is kind of like restaurant dependent. Obviously, the higher. Yeah, that's true. The numbers on the per, per item cost, the more your tips are going to be. And, you know, you're right. just going to make more money. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that they make really decent money, but again, there's no upward mobility. I would like to talk to like a waitress and a waiter just be like, you know, how long you've been doing it? Mm-hmm. Like, a, cause I, again, I have done it, but I only did it for, I think a year. 
So, like, there are ones that are, like, career ones. Yeah. That are, like, 15 years deep. Like, my buddy in Chicago runs a restaurant here. All his waiters have been doing there for over a decade. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, but they love it. They do love it. So, it would be interesting to, to talk to them about. The only thing I don't like is just, like, the hours and the time and... You have to be up late at night. I don't know. I went to Chicago and I went to my buddy's restaurant and it was so cool because it was such a neighborhood restaurant. There was regulars there every day that I went there. That's cool. And all the regulars knew the owner. All the ra- all the waiters and waitresses knew the ra- the yeah. regulars. And it was a real neighborhood <laughs> bar and restaurant, which was awesome to see. Because like, is it in, in a neighborhood? It is in a neighborhood. That's Chicago's cool. really cool. Like it was kind of I haven't been there except this past weekend. It's been three or four years since I last went. And like going it, this time, it like reminded me like it's very like Chicago's just like a big neighborhood. And there's like different neighborhoods within Chicago. Yeah, it was fun. And like you have your apartment. It's it's a. I honestly think it might be a cooler city than New York. It, it's very different yeah. than New York. I mean, and then obviously downtown Chicago has all the businesses and stuff. But outside, like you know, near Wrigleyville, near uh, I'm gonna mess up some of these names, but there's yeah, like I couldn't tell you that Boys Town. There's Ravensville, I think. Um, there, there are like these neighborhoods. And yeah. It's really, really cool because you have these neighborhood restaurants, you have mm-hmm. these neighborhood bars. That are just like on the corner. And like, it's actually really easy to drive in Chicago. Like, they do have a really great public transportation system, which is great. And great walking is, I mean, you can walk, you walk to all these restaurants and right. walk to all these coffee shops. And I was there, but my buddy had a car. Uh, so he would drive us around a lot. And it was actually really, I thought it was going to be miserable. I was like, dude, what are we doing? Driving in Chicago? Like, this is crazy. He's like, dude, I drive all, all the, the time. time. And uh, everything was like close. It was like fifteen minutes away. Yeah, that's cool. It wasn't that bad of traffic. Mm-hmm. Like, it was everything was really really nice. I I was surprised at how awesome Chicago is still. Um, it was a while since I've been there. So, well, speaking of Chicago, what? don't the Ozarks people do business in Chicago? They do. Yeah, they do. It was very interesting this last season. Well, I, I feel like it was kind of like uh, it was. I feel like it was one of. Like, it was a different type of show. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I did like how they did the last season in two parts. Mm-hmm. Like, seven episodes each. And again, with these, with this show especially, it's so well done. Yeah. Like, production value, amazing. Cinematography, amazing. Camera operating, amazing. Uh, acting, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Everything is just top, top notch. Okay, and what's the main actor's name? Are you talking about Jason Bateman? Yeah, he... So amazing directed like the majority of it i i and i liked his style yeah which was so very cool. good very good director very good actor too like i was looking at his role a lot and it seemed very interesting at first i was like oh this is like an interesting character he's i thought because in the very first season they portray him as like kind of a wimp in like the first episode he's, and then all of a sudden you realize like oh he was like he was laundering money for Someone in Chicago, yeah, right? Yeah, he is still kind of a wimp, I feel like. Like, there were things, definitely, especially in that second half, where I was like, all right, dude, stop being a pussy. Like, yeah. Come on. You got to do that. I think. But I think that's, like, he kind of stayed true to that character, or that character kind of stayed true to himself. Like, he didn't have, like, a uh, a change or, like, an arc in that sense, I don't think. Like, he didn't grow in that way. Well, he there were moments, but I think it was very realistic about how people are. Like, he stuck true to, like, what he knew, mm-hmm. which was, like, the accounting, the numbers, 
you know, and sometimes he would have to go out of his comfort zone to do mm. something right. for the for the betterment of the operation or whatever. But he really did stay true to like that character, which I thought, dude, if you're directing and acting, so hard. I don't know how they do it. I don't either. Like I have no idea. Dude, that'd be tough. Also, like, how do you direct a scene that you're in? You have to like plan well, it all out. You have to block out. everybody. I mean, you rely heavily on your cinematographer. I That's imagine. true. Yep, you gotta have a good relationship with them. Yeah, uh, but because the director is blocking, if there's a scene with lots of characters, you know, you're and you have to have a really good first AD. Yeah. An assistant director. That would be huge. I mean, you have to have a good first AD because you have to have them help you block. Right. You know, and then you have to rely on your DP to help block the cameras with the actors. And so for people that don't know, an assistant director kind of keeps you on schedule. And a cinematographer or director of photography, DP, is Mm -hmm. the person that lights the scene and basically is the head of the camera department. Yeah. And when you're directing and acting, especially when you're the number one, so like the lead actor. Right. You, I mean, you're in every, you're in a lot of How do you go from that transition to actor to then the character he's playing? Like, how do you... You mean director to the character he's playing? Yeah, like, how do you go from, like, how do you, how do you act? (laughs) (laughs) How does one do it? I don't know. Uh, That blows my mind. But I think it's, I imagine he has to get in his zone. Like, I think when he's directing a scene without him, you know, he's got his director hat on. Right. When he's in a scene, he is constantly thinking about his character as well as how it's going to look. It would be cool to talk to him about how, like, he approaches, especially the difficult scenes that he's in that require a lot of emotion, a lot right. of... Acting. A lot of, yeah, like... Because I have been on set where actors literally will walk off this actual set just for like five minutes if it's a difficult emotional scene to get in their mindset like right. we had this one guy who had to cry uh you know his wife passed away on the show i was doing and he was just he stepped away for five minutes with like an ipad or an ipod and listened to music to get him pumped up for like or not pumped up but to get him emotionally charged so he right. could cry in this scene uh and like i couldn't imagine him directing that scene as well because you have to tell the other actors as well in your director can't i mean you have to help them get the best out of those characters too. right but i think uh because that was a series and because they're in like i don't know if he did any of the earlier seasons like i don't know if he did season one like if three. he only did season, season four. four though like those actors and actresses they knew what they were doing are very trusted yeah for sure very trusted yeah that was a good ensemble Ve- uh, excellent ensemble. i thought the wife her character i hated so much yeah but damn she is a very good actress yeah she knew what she was doing and obviously ruth amazing so good it's also crazy how like different they make her look yeah because like in real life she's like pretty she's pretty she's cute in the show but they definitely like make her look different yeah i think that's they made her look like she was from a zoo yeah like she was lived in a trailer park was like had that life and had grown up they think they even make her look like they like you know she's had a rough life yeah it's funny because do you think ozonks is like it was only four seasons so starting with 2018 yeah i mean it went 
That's like our generation. It dragged out kind of, I think. It's so of funny like, that you say that dragged out because like, that's pretty short on seasons. Like Breaking Bad was like six, I think. Sopranos, I think, is seven. It's short on seasons, but it took them a long time, I feel like. Well, they knew, I think. What they uh, had. Well, they knew that when to call it quits. Yes. Like a lot of series don't know when to call it quits. Um, I could also see them in like five years bringing the, back the kid. Like, bringing back the young ones. Yeah, there's definitely money to be made with the name Ozark. Yeah. Like, or, like, spinoffs. Right. You know, there's tons. Of, like, before, like, maybe, like, do just a, a series on the Langmores. Like, the yes. past. Yes. Like, oh, my god. The 60s and 70s. And what was that old crazy woman's name? Uh, uh, the, the old lady that ran the drugs that's been there for, like, hundreds of years. She owned all the name. land. The grandma, kind of, though. Yeah, she was yeah. married to the Wyatt... Um, like you could do a, a series just based on her family and like totally the cutthroatness that they had to go through to get all the land and I'd get watch their that. operation set up. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of opportunity to be made. And Jason Bateman probably could direct all that stuff too. Easy. Done. That's a career. It's crazy. Dude. The guy from Arrested Development. Yeah. He did all that. It's so funny. Okay, so if you do you think you could run an illegal laundering business no 100 percent not i'd be too sh- chicken shit scared i think if they didn't have to deal with the cartel i could do it <laughs> who you laundering mom- money for i don't know but like <laughs> no matter who you're laundering for there's a bad person on the other end of that, that will yeah kill that's you if true something goes wrong. but what if you're laundering money for yourself is that possible yeah, I mean, depends on what kind of business you have, but it's definitely possible. Not that we're trying to launder money here. No, it would be tough, though. I mean, just, oh, man, I don't know if you know this, but there was this thing in the NFL where, I don't know if it was laundering. Oh, yeah. Money. Yeah, but like. He, like, stole a bunch of money. Yeah, so he was laundering in a way. Wait, Because he had, his name was Dan Snyder. He's the president, not the president, he's the owner of the Washington Commanders, the Washington, D.C. football team. Okay. And he had two separate books. This no. is almost worse than stealing from the IRS because you're stealing from the NFL. So allegedly, this is all allegedly, he had two separate books, fake numbers and real numbers, right? So mm-hmm. he kept he cooked the books that way. He just had two different accounting books, accounting books. And he stole money from the – so I guess the way the NFL is set up is it's – uh, kind of like a big pot where they all split the money. So no matter if your team is bad or if your team is good, I believe they all do cumulative. They do cumulative uh, like growth or cumulative money earnings. Okay. Um, it's kind of like you're pooling in all your tips. Yeah, it's like a pool. At the end of the yeah, night. exactly. And I think so, the teams that do pull in more viewers get a bigger slice of the pie. That's fair. But. Uh, they do, and this goes down not just to like TV rights, but it goes to the like concessions, ticket sales, I believe all of that stuff. Okay. Like everything's kind of pulled together. And he was saying that he was making less money at his stadium. Uh, than what he really was. Yeah. And NFL owners, I imagine they're all billionaires. Yeah. You don't, again. again like why like, do you have to steal? <laughs> I don't know. It's a great question. Why is he cooking the books? I don't know. That's such a crazy thing to do so he got caught yeah 100 percent. well the fbi dude, the fbi been, got involved yeah there's been scandal after scandal with this organization so like i think the fbi was investigating it's like one of those things where 
if you're investigating and something, then you like find more, and things. you find like what you're looking for, but then you Peel find in. like yeah, you peel back another layer, like oh well, we weren't looking for this, but this is here. You know, do we go ahead and investigate this now? So yeah. I think they just kept peeling back layers and kept finding more shit, and they're like, oh, uh, this goes pretty deep, and there seems to be a lot of shadiness here. So of course he's denying it, and this is all allegedly happening, but. Yeah, like he he was cooking the books on his end and saying that he was making less money. I don't know why he would do that, but the other owners, this is like almost worse than pissing off the IRS. Mm-hmm. You don't want to piss off NFL owners. No. Because now the NFL feels jaded. They yeah. feel slighted. I would. Yeah. So they want their money. <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. So there's a whole. I, so I'm curious, like. Maybe he had, like, some big debt he had to pay off, and that's why he was doing it. So, like, does he even have money to pay people back? Or is he, like, still a rich man? I don't know what he does. Like, I know, like, there are some team owners that, like, you know, I think the owner of Seattle Seahawks, like, he owned, like, he was, like, a co-founder in Microsoft or, like, a big investor in Microsoft before he died, and now his sister runs the team. So that's Microsoft money. Uh, you know. Well, yeah, because, like, anyone can swoop in and buy a team. Well, no. Definitely not anyone. Uh, like, Someone with money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when the last team was actually bought and sold. The only thing that I remember is when, like, Jay-Z brought, bought the book Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, but he bought, like, a, like a 1% stake in it. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, really, yeah, even have, if you can have, buy them, you can only buy, like... It's usually partnership groups. Like, there are very few teams that have, like, one... I mean, I guess there's not very few teams, but some teams have one owner... Mm-hmm. And then other teams have like partnership groups. Like, that makes sense. Uh, I like the Denver Broncos are actually potentially it's uh, rumored that they might be for sale this coming season. Okay. So like people like Jeff Bezos has been mentioned with Magic Johnson, uh, like a bunch of other people uh, that would be part of the group that buys. You know what? It. Jeff Bezos can have the Broncos. Yeah. Why is that? I just feel like they're not. <laughs> They are a team. They are a team. But they aren't very good. They're really, they're going to be really good this year. But like, I feel like you could say that about like every team. Yeah, that's actually good Because no one, because everyone just got new players. Exactly. Right now is the most hopeful and optimistic part of every uh, NFL team. Although I feel like right now the Chiefs are like, oh no. No, Chiefs are, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, we haven't, we had a great, oh again, I'm being optimistic. I'm falling into the trap of like, we're going to win the Super Bowl no matter what. Like right. right now, like every team right now feels like they're going to, they have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Every single team. Probably. Totally. Totally. Like even the really bad teams, like the Lions. I feel and the like Jets. more than ever, people feel like that. Well, like, this was a really interesting draft. Like a lot of bad teams made a lot of good moves. So they're very hopeful. Like, teams that were historically bad, the Lions, the Jets, they did really well in this draft. I also have a big uh, soft spot for the Lions. I like their head coach. Okay. A lot. How did the Bears do? Bear down. Uh, Bears did okay. Because <laughs> I feel like they... They're hopeful, though. I bet you can find a few Bears fans that are like, hey, we're going to win the division. We did it. We got Green something. Green Bay is still, you know, kind of Green Bay. Like, they're still the top dog. But, mm-hmm. you know, we can maybe take them down. But, like, the Vikings got really good. Every team right now is on cloud nine. Because they feel like they got their guys. Right. Like they're going to go make a run. But... Obviously, that can't happen. I mean, no. Yeah. Only one team. Only one team. Can prevail. That's it. But and right now, everyone feels like they are that one team. Cheeks. <laughs>
Yeah, we're we're not Chiefs fans. No, don't like them at all. No, we try to be unbiased. Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, we we did really well this year. Nice. Well, that's exciting. Well, I just think we did really well on this podcast. Yep. Episode two in the bank. Please like and subscribe. We are going to do episode three probably with a cool guest. It's in the works right now, so stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. And listen or don't. We can't tell you what to do. That's our tagline. It's the truth. Well, thank you guys. Bye.